This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Head to sleeper.com SGP in your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com SGP. And make sure you download the SGPN app, your home for all our free picks and podcasts. All right, DJs. Uh, once again, if you're hearing me do the ad reads at the top of the show, I am writing solo. Uh, Boston Capper is at uh, his daughter's graduation. Congratulations to uh, Boston Capper, I don't know, junior, whatever. Um, congratulations to her for graduating high school. Hopefully you do a little better than my co-host, who's uh, doing predatory lending practices at a mortgage company and also on a golf gaming podcast. Hope you go on to do something with me. But uh, this is uh, Steve Shermer. And I'm going to ride solo tonight. I am going to recap all of our bets, not just mine, but Boston Cappers. Um, he gave me a list of names. Going to be completely honest. It looks like he wrote it with his opposite hand. His handwriting, I thought my handwriting was bad. His handwriting is absolutely atrocious. And I had to ask a couple of clarifying questions. Um, I think he tried to bet O'Doyle plus 200 on something. Turns out that was Cam Young. Didn't even know that. So... Um, we'll go over all his picks. I will try and provide a rational explanation for everything, you know, kind of using his voice, uh, probably in a terrible Boston accent, which, which uh, I'll try out here. But before I get to the show, uh, I was just blindsided by breaking news. And apparently Boston Capper is having a grand time his graduation because he is sending me screenshots of the live golf field that apparently hot off the presses right before I started to record got released and we we're all waiting for this. I, I, you know, we all have been hearing some names rumor for the past couple of months. Um, mostly it was guys who were kind of getting to their upper thirties, early forties, you know, the twilight of their career, looking for one big last paycheck. And lo and behold, we got a couple of those names. We're going to play next week over in London. So here are some of the names you need to care about. Uh, so Sergio Garcia, no surprise after he got into a, a spat with the rules official, he's going to play Brandon grace. Matt Jones, I don't recall hearing his name, but that doesn't make that doesn't surprise me. That's an older player. Won a couple times in the PJ Tour, looking for a big payday. You know, go have fun over there. Martin Keimer, uh, he's been connected as well. That's a guy who kind of screwed up his swing when he tried to add a draw. Now he's going to get uh, 10 million, 20 million. I don't even know how much they're going to get. Um, going to get a large paycheck in his uh, his uh, bank. And uh, probably more than what he ever would win on the European tour anyways. So good for him. You got Graham McDowell, older player. You're sensing the theme here. Kevin, nah. Louis Ouswezen, which kind of hurts. You know, I mean, he played really well last year, but he is getting kind of older. Maybe he sees the big numbers and wants to play. Ian Poulter, same thing. Charles Schwartz, a washed up guy. Hudson Swafford, washed up guy. Lee Westwood, washed up guy. Bern Wiesberger, who I think he's like 35, he does really well on the European tour, but he's never been able to break through over here for whatever reason. I guess this is his opportunity to get a big payday, whatever. But there's two big names on this field that I think were 
one of them was surprised. The other one, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. So the one I shouldn't be surprised is Dustin Johnson. Uh, that is clearly the big fish of everyone that Greg Norman was able to basically convince to go play the startup uh, league. Um, I heard a rumor he was going to get $135 million. Uh, that was on the table for him. And look, like, I, I don't fault these players for taking the money, especially the older ones. Like, listen, if they're throwing you an obscene amount of money, why wouldn't you take it? And I understand all of, like, the morality reasons behind it. And I don't really like the fact that they try to basically just spin their way out of it, try and say, oh, it's for the good of the game, blah, 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 blah. I wish they were just upfront with it. But listen, like, it's their lives if they want to take the money. And to be perfectly honest, I think it's a little different over in Europe doing business with the Saudis than it is over here. It's definitely a little more sensitive than uh, over here than there. I understand why a lot of these European players just kind of jumped at it. But, you know, I, I just, it, that sucks. That sucks that DJ kind of took the money. He still is capable of winning majors, still capable of winning your PGA Tour events. And at this point, he's just taking the big fat paycheck. But the, the one that I'm surprised about that I didn't see coming, maybe he was fooling around on Twitter, and I'm not on Twitter, and I didn't know, but it, Taylor Gooch took the money. That's really weird. Now, this is a guy who has kind of been coming into his own on the PGA Tour last couple of years. I think he's only 30 years old, you know, a younger guy. And... You know, he has a win last year. The RSM, he's come close a couple times, playing well. He took the money, which is strange. And, like, I, I again, like, if he wants to take the money, fine. But this is pretty risky for Taylor Gooch at this point. Because unlike the other guys, like, their, their playing days are, let's just face it, you know, their days are numbered. Like, Brandon Grace, uh, Graham McDowell, Martin Keimer, Schwartzel, Westwood, like, like all those guys are past their prime. Like they probably only had maybe like a couple of years anyways. They're, they're going to say big score. But Taylor Gooch, like, you know, if this thing folds, which it might, I know there's unlimited resources with the Saudi government, but there's a substantial chance that things just falls on its face. Like if this doesn't go well for him, He's going to be left without a tour <laughs> and his career is kind of over. I don't know if this was a great move for him just as far as career trajectory. I guess it depends on how much money they threw at him. Maybe he met his price. I just, I don't know. I guess I, maybe let's say I don't know these guys. I just didn't expect the guy like Taylor Gooch to actually end up taking the money. So listen, good luck to all these guys. Um, there's a bunch of other like, Interesting names like a lot, like uh, Andy Ogletree, who won the USAM back in 2019. He failed to uh, he failed to break into the PGA Tour so far after turning pro. He went and took some money. James Pio, who won the uh, the USAM back in 2021, he's still technically an amateur. He's actually in the field this week at Memorial. Uh, he took the money and uh, went over there too. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how this thing plays out next week. Uh, it's parallel to the Canadian Open. I mean. I was talking about Bass and Capper before the show. We probably have no choice but to cover it at least and look at some of the bets that are out there. Like, why not? Uh, I guess I'm breaking down two golf courses next week. Whoop de doo. Great for me. So, uh, anyways, that's basically breaking news. That's my snap reaction to 
uh, the Live Golf field while we take a quick break, and then we'll shift our focus back to the Memorial. All right, so first let's talk about WinBet. So make sure you get down a Win's bet, $50 win, $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started today. Offer subject to change from negotiations at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get back to the Memorial. Let's talk about the National Golf Tournament this week that has a lot of money on the line, but clearly not as much what the Saudis going to throw at you guys. Um, let's well, up my big short. And not a great showing for me last week. Uh, Dana Berger barely made the cut. Made the cut on the number. He had having a good weekend. Um, but it's getting better. I mean, at least I'm not picking guys who are actually winning the tournament. So as far as this week, uh, I actually have two. One is an actual just I'm concerned about. I like this player. I'm concerned about the direction of where his game's going, and he's getting significant ownership. That's that's Joaquin Neiman. Right now I'm looking at Fantasy National. He's getting 15%, probably maybe 20% ownership. I think he's a popular outright play, and I get it. Like, I think his outright price is like 48 to 1 on a couple of books. Like, even I admit it's a good price, considering the guys won Riviera. Uh, he has a top 10 here. I mentioned last night in the DFS show, I think his results have been continually getting worse at Murfield Village as he's gained distance off the tee. And for first camp, he was kind of, you know, I mean, he's always had a little bit of length, but he had a pretty good accuracy off the tee. That's subsided over the years as he's just been chasing distance. Maybe that's why he hasn't been quite as good. Uh, at this tournament in the last couple of years. So I'm going to say he finishes up to the top 30, which is not a terrible result. Um, and another thing going against him too is that his iron's been trending downward. He's been hitting them all pretty poorly with his irons last two tournaments. That's something he typically hasn't done very well here. Could it be that Murphy Village just kind of sets up well for his eye off the fairway? Could be. Maybe you're just riding hot irons coming in, just continue that play. Maybe the fact he's struggling this time, he's not going to be able to find that form. So uh, I think Joaquin Neiman is going to finish out to the top 30, which hurts. I, I like Joaquin Neiman. I think he's a talented player, but I don't like some of the things I'm seeing. But the other one, though, is I'm seeing up to 15% ownership on Brendan Steele this week at 6600 bucks. Like, come on, guys. Like, I, I get it. He finished ninth at the PGA. His course history is pretty good here. But it's 15% Brendan Steele, guys. And if they actually look through some of his results... Over the last like handful of years, um, I know I've made this point anytime my co-host has tried to uh, play Matt Jones coming off a very good performance. Uh, Brendan Steele's kind of the same way; like he's no longer really the same player. So his last top ten was a Zo was at the Zozo Championship in twenty twenty single stroke play event. By the way, I'm not talking about the Zerg. So he finished T two at the Zozo Championship. His next start with a sixty ninth at uh, Mycoba. Nice. Before that, he had a top 10 in 2021 at the Honda Classic. Uh, finished T3. Next start, finished 77th at the Valero Open, Texas Open. Uh, finished fourth at the Sony Open. Finished T21 at the Eastern Express. Okay, we found a decent result. You know, followed the top uh, 10 finish with a good result. But then they have a T6 of 2020 Travelers, followed up with T52 at the Workday. Uh, T4 at the Honda Classic, followed by a miscut at Arnold Palmer. 
Second place finish is Sony Open, followed by a T43 and then a couple of missed cuts right after the American Express. I, I guess my point is, is you're all gravitating towards a guy who, A, is freaking Brendan Steele. Has a record where he can't in the double-digit ownership. I'm going to say he finishes outside of the top 50 this week, probably misses the cut. Um, that just seems like a recipe for disaster for disaster. Anytime a trendy double digit guy who let's fr- let's just face it, is pretty past his prime and kind of dodgy anyways, kind of riding some good form and it's very volatile. That's gonna blow in people's faces. All right. Let's transition to who we bet outright. So I guess why don't I go first? Um, and then I will go over who Boston Capper bet. So I already said last night in the show, I bet three. Um, I am finding actually I found a better number more cow. So I was actually able to cash in on the other one. I actually found a more cow at twenty five to one today. He drifted backwards a little bit. I I I don't get it. I don't understand why he's drifting backwards. Is it really just because of the putting? Is that it? Like how many times? Like I I know I am guilty of this before in the past. I remember very fondly. Well, not fondly. I remember talking somebody out of Kyle Morikawa. Uh, after Riviera in 2021, I did the research and I said, look, like if you, if you want to win a tournament, you have to, you know, typically winners gain like two or three shows total, at least putting for the week. And I thought more just wasn't capable of that. And then he gained like six at the work day the following week. And I missed out on 40 to one. The guy who took my advice to miss out on 40 to one on Morikawa. I think he doesn't even follow the show anymore. Sorry, buddy, if you're still listening. I'm sorry I did that to you. Um, I learned my lesson that day. I learned with him just if he comes to a track where it's going to fit him, it's just going to turn around. And it seems like maybe these fast greens kind of help him. Like, I remember concession was really fast. These greens are always really fast. Augusta is really fast. Riviera always fast greens. And those happen to be the ones where he's putted the best. Now, I know it didn't really go well at Southern Hills. I know it didn't go well last week, but this is Murfield Village. Kyle Morikawa has been great there. I'm just going to trust it 25 to 1. I'm going to take that. Um, I also bet Sung J.M. I made the argument last night that I didn't understand why his course history was so bad at Murfield Village because you're, you know, he's kind of what you're looking for. He's, he keeps in the play off the tee. He's very accurate. You know, he's usually pretty a bentgrass putter. You know, I mean, it shows that he puts pretty well at uh, Augusta. He probably should put well here too. Uh, usually get scrambler. He's a good iron player too. Um, what I noticed in his results coming into the Memorial, uh, the last few years or so is that he was riding really bad form with his irons. He was losing strokes at least in the last three events heading in. And I think every time he had done it, uh, coming to Murphy village and it just continued. Like, this is not a place where you tend to figure out your irons. You got to be usually hitting it pretty well. Okay. There. Um, so now that's different. In the fact, he's actually riding good ball strike to come in. I actually maybe kind of like the price of 41 to one. And, you know, you can go back to gain like nine strokes TD green last week, lost three. Like that's positive aggression, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think what's going to come down to is I think there's going to be a very key difference with how he hits his iron this week and it'll do better. And then Cam Young, 45 to one. I actually end up finding a better number than uh, I got last night and cashing out and getting in on that. Uh, like I did. Um, I mentioned last night too that Patrick Cantlay, when he finally won at Murfield Village, I mean he had a couple wins before that, but like this was his big signature win. 
Um, he had a bunch of top tens at, uh, I think in his last three events coming in and then finally broke through. Same thing with Cam Young. He has three straight top tens coming in, including that, well, a T, uh, third place finish, fourth place finish at uh, the PJ Championship. Came second at Potomac, second at Riviera. Like the guy is a stud. He's going to win at some point. What I like about him, too, is while he has some length off the tee, he hits a ton of fairways. Like he hit a ton of fairways at Southern Hills. I think he, won- he was one of the leaders in driving accuracy on the week. Really improved his iron game. He's really improved his around the green game, too. The one place where he suffers is funny enough, uh, putting where the last couple of tournaments he's been on Bentcrest and everybody's like, Oh, well, you know, he grew up at, you know, on Bentcrest courses should be great. Well, it's been kind of mixed. Like he lost a billion strokes putting at the masters on Bentcrest greens. He lost a million strokes at Potomac. He actually gained the Southern Hills though. So maybe he's starting to figure things out on PJ tour caliber and Bentcrest greens. I think he's good. And at 45 to one, I, I, I think there's no reason why he can't win this thing. And then I was left with a choice. I only wanted maybe one of these guys, um, and I do eliminate them. So I'll go in, or, in the order that I eliminate them. 55 to 1, Mito Pereira. I think he's actually cursed this week. Um, he was hinted at being cursed. So that one I struggle with because he does fit a lot of things I'm looking for. Like he did end up bouncing back at Colonial, played well, um, hits the ball pretty straight. His iron's great, good scrambler. Yeah, stuff like that. Every basically everything I'm looking for. Because of the curse thing, I think I ended up going off him. But if you don't believe that stuff, I'm fine with it. Uh 61 Davis Riley. This one I struggled with. I have cash now because I think uh our guest last night on the uh on the DFS show is right, Brian Kersher. I, I don't think he's actually gonna win. Um there is the thing where he's this is his fourth straight, not his sixth straight term, it's his fourth straight. Um, he has him riding very hot. At some point, that is going to regress. Um, is this really going to be the place where he wins? I love that 60 to 1 number, though. It was really good. I, I, because a lot of things I like in Cam Young, I like in Davis Riley, too. He's also accurate off the tee. He hits it pretty far. He gains a turn of strokes off the tee. Like, I, I guess the one concern is around the green game. That's a bit of an issue. But I am not betting that. He, Davis Riley ends up making an appearance on my card somewhere else. So then I was left with Hoblin and Zalatoris. And I really, really, really struggled with this one. Uh, I ended up actually looking back at um, every winner of the Memorial since 2013. And there's two big things about each that bugged me. There's the holdup with Zalatoris about his driving accuracy. How it doesn't seem like when he's gone to a place where that actually is valued, he doesn't have any strong finishes. I think the best finish he has is like a T8 Southwind. So, and typically guys who tend to win here, usually are one of the leaders in driving accuracy, tend to be guys who hit like 60% of their fairways on average coming in. He does. He It's only 55%. So I, and then there's Hoblin, who could ball strike this place to death, could head everything to six, 10 feet. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of weather concerns where He's going to have to scramble a whole lot if he just shows up with the great ball striking. But for when he does, though, it's a big liability. And I wanted to see over the last, since 2013, what were these guys who were winning with? What were the drive axes numbers coming in? What were they doing around the green? And I want to see who was the worst. So the worst one was, funny enough, 
for driving accuracy. Matt Kuchar in 2013, he was only in 56% of his fairways coming in, which is bizarre because I would think that Kuchar is just an accurate short knocker. Like, he was actually struggling with his driving accuracy coming in. That was surprising, but makes me feel like, okay, that actually can happen. You know, a guy who typically doesn't hit a lot of fairways can just find a way to win in Murphy Village. Okay, so that's good for Zalatoris. And then I wanted to look at around the green game. And, you know, there's some guys who struggled. Like, Doffner was losing strokes around the game. I think he was losing, like, 0.1. Like, Lingmurth was losing strokes around the game. He was losing, like, 0.14. Morikawa was about field average. He was losing about 0.04. Everybody else was basically gaining around the green. Um, the, the, the issue, though, is couldn't f- none of those guys were losing as many strokes as Halvin is. Like, Halvin is, like, dead last in strokes around the green. Now, here's another thing I found, too, which made me maybe encouraging to Halvin. Um, I found the 2015, uh, Memorial, the one that David Lingworth won two guys finished. Like, I think in the top 12 of the week, Billy Horschel and Francesco Molinari were like 180th and, and like 190th in strokes getting around the green, like heading in like really bad. And they still ended up doing well. And I guess like, you know, what I was trying to explain last night in the DFS show is when you get to, I feel like anytime there's a situation where it's extremely difficult. Whether it's like really difficult greens to putt on or really difficult green sites around, so we did Murphy Village. I feel like you want to target the extremes. You want to target either the really good guys who just are better at it than everybody else and actually like can separate above. Like, like there's actually like a gap between like the elite guys and the really good guys because the elite guys are going to usually stay pretty elite or pretty good. Uh, the good guys are going to go pretty average to poor. Or you want to go towards the guys who just absolutely suck at it, where 85% of the field is basically going to come down to their level anyways, and the difference between them and the guy who really sucks isn't as, as much. Now there's just a deficiency between them and the elite guys, which they got to compensate somewhere else. And that's kind of how I feel about Hovland this week. You know, I, I know he's really like, and this is a conversation for later, he's going to appear on my betting card. I know he sucks around the greens, but like, Sometimes when you get to these golf courses with like really thick ryegrass rough around the greens, it turns into a little bit of a luck box. It basically turns into, okay, how's your life sitting? And that's not skill at that point. That's just luck. Like if a really good chipper has a terrible lie in the ryegrass, you know what's going to happen? He's probably going to hit a pretty shitty chip. It doesn't really matter. Where these guys separate themselves is if like it's short grass where everybody has the same lie. Everybody's same is the same like situation. And then it comes down to skill because then that maximizes Hoblin's deficiencies around the green to a really good one. So I feel like, and I said this on the major podcast I did with Andy Lack. God, this is going long. I got to stop rambling. My point is, I feel like Hoblin is probably going to win and do better on golf courses that are really difficult around the green and feature really deep rough because that turns a little bit of a lockbox game. So I kind of like him this week. But at the end of the day, just looking at who's actually won this thing and what they had to do in the tournament, like most of these guys have gained like two, two and a half, three strokes around the green. I don't think Hobble can actually do that. So he missed the cut. I am going with Will Zalatoris at 35 to one. That's the last one on my betting card. So it's Morikawa 25 to one, Zalatoris 35 to one. I still don't even love, by the way. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking to myself out of Zalatoris. Whatever. 
Morikawa twenty five to one, Zalatoris thirty five to one, uh, Sung JM forty one to one, Cam Smith forty five to one. That's it. Only spent a little over a unit on that. Um, I have some room to bet outright or bet live if I want to. All right, let's go to Boston Capper though, and he also has four outrights. So he also bet Colin Morikawa twenty four to one for a lot of the same same reasons I said. You know, he just dominates Jack Nicholas golf courses. You know, the putting can come back at any moment, especially at some of these faster event, you know, venues. Remember that. Uh, he's betting Hideki at 31. I think he's just trusting the course not course uh fit for him. I think he's trusting that Hideki's injury concerns are in the past. And he's taking a gamble, but listen, if Hideki's right, he's definitely a threat here. So 30 to 1 him. Well as outsource, he also bet 30 to 1 for a lot of similar reasons I said. You know, just the fact that, you know, Zalator has been doing really well on typical golf courses. He struggles with the putter, but it seems like anytime he goes to these fast, undulating bent grass surfaces, he tends to elevate his game. He likes him here. And then Max Homa, he feels like this number is really disrespectful. I don't know if I totally disagree with that. I think 40 to 1 is, I think it's fine. Maybe 35 to 1 is probably where he might want to be. I mean, there's some really good players above him too, but I don't think it's that far off. It's not like you're paying like it's not like 70 to one or anything. It's 40 to one. Um, but I like the play though. I mean, Homa finished T6 last year. Seems like he's a different player. Like his irons have been really good. Off the tee's been really good. He's really improved his driving accuracy numbers too. Um, tends to do pretty well on golf courses with northern strains of grass. Uh, he is a little deficient on the green around the green, but that didn't really stop him at Potomac, where everybody was missing greens and it was crappy weather. And we're actually gonna get good weather this week. Maybe, you know, he's gonna his fair share of greens to do well. So those are his outrights. Morikawa 24 to 1, Hideki Matsuyama 30 to 1, Zalatoris 30 to 1, and Homa 40. So why don't we take another break? And then we will get to some of our matchup plays. Now it's on to Sleeper. And Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. And you probably already have a fantasy league on there. And I use mine up for it too. You know, I got my fantasy football league on there. We all love it. Very easy to use. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on Sleeper too by playing their new over-under game. Super easy. So first in any sport, choose two more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, you can pick the number of points in basketball or hits in baseball, whatever you want. Then you choose the amount of money you want to enter through the contest. And if you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to 20 times your money you put in. And the main reason I'm excited about Over Under and Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with a tap of a button. Insanely fun to ride to get, ride out together. So stop what you're doing. Download the Sleeper, now, the Sleeper app now and play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. All right, let's go over matchups. So I have three. Boston Capper has a zillion. So uh, while I go over the ones I like first, and then we'll go over his list, and I'll try and fill in reasons why he likes them for whatever reason. He didn't give a reason. But, you know, I know my co-host. I know how his mind works. Usually it involves uh, saying about somebody they're trash. So we'll see. All right, so the first one on my list, Patrick Cantley minus 120 over Cam Smith. Listen, Cat Cantley's great here. Uh, I have z- absolutely 0.0 concerns about what happened in Southern Hills. I said on this podcast, guys, I said exactly what was going to happen in Southern Hills. Dude just can't hit well off Bentgrass or uh, off Bermuda. Like, everybody was talking about his Bentgrass history, Bentgrass history, Bentgrass history. He sucks off on hitting an iron off Bermuda, and he sucked with his ball striking at the Southern Hills. 
He sucked shipping there because it was all Bermuda. The dude just doesn't play Bermuda. That's why he doesn't play those events on the PGA Tour. This wasn't that wasn't really a difficult find. But now we're getting back on comfy northern strains, the rye grass, the bluegrass rough that he has just been so good on in his entire career on a golf course that he's great on. Won there twice. I think he's gonna be great this week, and he's matched up against Cam Smith, who sucks here for whatever reason. And I know we talked about it last night on the DFS show how this theoretically should be a golf course that fit his game. I feel like with him, and I, and I want to say something about the wider fairways, I think that's actually a disadvantage for him. And I know he drove the ball pretty well at Southern Hills. Typically, he doesn't hit a lot of fairways. And when he is erratic off the tee on a golf course where the field is hitting 70% of their fairways, that's a huge disadvantage, especially with how penal this rough really is. And if he does that enough times, he's iron his irons well. And I think maybe like his skill is maybe a little deficient in deep rough. Maybe he just isn't very comfortable hitting out a deep rough either. Doesn't scramble well there too. Doesn't put well in these greens. So I'll take Cantley minus 120 over Cam Smith. That's what I'm going to do. I had Cam Young plus 105 or Joaquin Neiman. I already said the Joaquin Neiman was my big short of the week or one of my big shorts of the week for all the reasons I said. You know, And I already explained my love for Cam Young this week. I think he's hitting the ball great. Uh, I think he's going to continue his good form. I see a lot of things about this golf course that fit his game, whether it be, you know, he's fairly accurate for a pretty long hitter, really hitting his irons great, scrambling great too. Um, I think they're going to see some aggression with his uh, – with his putting, I think it's going to well there too. And then Davis Riley over Aaron Wise. This is at minus one ten each way. Um, I just look at these two guys, and I just think I think Riley's a better player than Aaron Wise. At the and, and maybe it's recency bias, but I think Riley is. When we look back at each of their careers, I think Riley's just going to be have a better resume. Like Aaron Wise has had. A lot of opportunity, and he was a very highly touted collegiate player too. He won the NCAA's. He won in his rookie year. He's had a lot of opportunities to actually show he's like can be kind of elite. He's never quite done it, and I think Riley can be that guy. And you look at what Riley's been doing. He's got three straight top tens, finished lost in a playoff to, at uh, Innisbrook to Sam Burns. Hitting his irons great. He's putting well. He's gained around the green eight of the last ten events, even though that's technically an area where he's kind of deficient at. Kind of raises game there. He hits a ton of fairways too. I like Davis Riley a lot this week in minus one ten over Aaron Wise. But then that's where I got with him on the betting card. All right, so let's now go over Boston Cappers' uh, many uh, matchups. So his first matchup, he's got Sanders Shoffley minus one twenty over Victor Hovland. And listen, I mean, we talked about Shoffley last night. He has four straight top twenties at Murfield Village. Tends to do pretty well on bent grass golf courses. They're pretty long and difficult like I wrote about last year uh, with Xander. And he likes him over Victor Hovland, who uh, Capper completely disagrees with my analysis. Uh, he clearly thinks that uh, Hovland's trash around the green game is just going to cost him this week. And listen, like he could be right too. I had a feeling if he was probably here tonight, we'd probably do charity bet it, but he's not. He's stuck listening to the Sigma Cum Lods uh, going down the line at his high school. So, yeah, I guess... Uh, not making that bet tonight. But he likes Xander Shoffley minus one over Victor Hoblin. Uh, he also likes walking, fading Joaquin Neiman in the matchup. He likes Will's outsource minus 105 or Neiman. Where the hell did he get that price from? I mean, that seems mispriced, but I'd like that too. I would snap at that as well. I mean, like if, if I like Will's outsource this week, 
I mean, look, they both have kind of similar issues in the fact that neither are very accurate off the tee. And then it just comes down to, all right, well, Zalatar is hitting his irons better. Um, he's gains more strokes around the, off the tee as well. So uh, why wouldn't you take Zalatoris in that, in that matchup? And then Patrick Reed plus 110 for Billy Horschel. This is one he wrote up in his article that just did, dropped tonight. Uh, he's getting plus 110 over Horschel as well. I mean, listen, you know, I, we talked about it last night. Reed's a little bit of a chalky play this week. I don't care. This isn't like playing like 18%. I don't know, like Tom Hoagie or something. Like he's a fine player, but this is Patrick Reed, an actual accomplished player, has won nine times in the PGA Tour and won a major. Like I don't care if it's shock. Like if he's just playing well, he's playing well, and his hitting his iron's pretty good. He finally, unbeknownst to me, by the way, he finally ditched that stupid PXG driver. Actually, he's hitting a real club, and all of a sudden, he you know got his first top ten and since the Bermuda. Go fucking figure, guys. And he got him paired up against Billy Horschel, who's been trending downwards. He's lost strokes in the approach in his last three, has a 68th and a missed cut in his last two. So he, that, those are his three ones he likes the most. He also liked Max Homa plus one over Corey Connors. We talked about Corey Connors last night. Uh, I mean, listen, I understand in theory why Corey Connors would be good here. He hits a whole lot of fairways. Everything else is kind of trending down with him, though. And his course history here is kind of meh anyways. And I feel like, you know, listen, I think we've seen a better version of Corey Connors into Murfield Village before. And he hasn't really done a whole lot with it. So why should we expect any more this week versus Max Homa, who's just been playing good? So he likes Homa plus 100 for Corey Connors. He also likes Sungjae minus 125 for Daniel Berger. I already said the reasons why I like Sungjae earlier. Boston Capper agrees. As for Daniel Berger. Like, he's just been kind of meh. Like, a T23 finish last week at Colonial. Congratulations. Still hasn't had a top 20 finish since, I think, uh, when he collapsed at the Honda. After you like Sung JM a lot this week, um, why not take him in the match or two? And then Seamus Power plus 110 for Abraham Answer. I know that my co-host, Boston Capper, just really does not like Abraham Answer right now. Seems like every time he backs him, Answer burns him. And every time he seems like he fades him, answers as well. Look, if it ends up being the answer, it ends up hitting like 90% of his fairies this week, kind of like he did Southern Hills. Like, I think this matchup might be in trouble. But my co host is very passionate. He has his takes, and he's going to take his Irishman, Seamus Power, plus 110 over Abram Answer. So, while we're taking our break, and then we will get into positional props. All right, so we're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. So what's in this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens are going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com SGP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, let's go to positionals. And I want to say something from the jump. Um, I really did not like the positional market this week. I thought it was pretty weak. And maybe it's because, like, I, what I noticed la last night is typically when I break down, the, like, 
when I break the DFS tiers, it's for two things. Number one, I want to find good DFS plays. But number two, it's like my first overview of like, okay, how is the betting board kind of going to shape up? Where are some guys I pretty much want to bet positional as well? Top 20, 30, 40, et cetera. And usually when I start dipping down in the $7,000 range, like that's where I start identifying, okay, if I catch a book having like a top, good top 40 number or something, um, I'm going to bet it. And I really struggled with the $7,000 range last night. There was not a whole lot I liked in it. Um, not a whole lot I liked in the $6,000 range too. And that kind of showed on my betting card this week. I don't have a lot of positionals. In fact, I don't think I have like a very like longer shot top 40. Usually I, like I like live in that zone of like plus 150, two to one, plus 250 top 40s or so. I never really like to pay juice on a top 40. I had to break some rules this week. But I only have four. And a couple of them, I just feel like I just caught a book napping at a bad price. So let's start with one of them. Um, so I'm, I made the case for Victor Hovland earlier, where I feel like when you get to golf courses with extremes, whether it be extremely difficult approach shots, whether it be extremely difficult putting, all that stuff, where we face, a, we face an extremely difficult golf course around the green. And like I said earlier, I feel like that benefits really good scramblers who just can just stay good in it or brings a guy who's just going to suck regardless of what it is. And it's going to bring about 85% of the field to him. And considering that, I feel like the, with the weather this week, Victor Hoblin's going to hit a lot of fairways. I think he's going to hit a lot of greens. And when he does miss a green, might end up in the rough. And that can be a little bit of a luck box. Maybe Lady Luck's on his side this week. And look, I know this price isn't out there. I got a 5-1 to one on Victor Hoblin top 10. I understand that most books, including WinBet, is hanging around like plus 225, plus 250. I would bet that too. If I had that offer for me, I would still bet it. I think Hoblin is going to show well this week. I think this is going to be another, I think on Sunday, I'm going to be regretting not betting Hovland at 25 to 1. But ultimately, I'll end up being right. That the top 10 ended up being the play. And I'm a, I'll bank on it. And if not, then I'm just going to lay like minus 500 just to say that I got the outright on him on Sunday anyways. I'm kidding. I don't actually do that. Sometimes. Um, all right, so Hoblin top 10 plus 500. All right, let's go to some top 20s I like. I like two. And this, again, we're kind of guys that just like that I found respectable prices on. I just wanted my betting. I just want a little bit of a share on. Uh, the first one's Xander Shopley top 20 plus 130. The guy just cranks out top 20s at Miracle Village, whether it be the workday, would be at Memorial. He's hitting the ball great. Like either, I have nothing else. I have nothing really to fall him with as far as his play recently. And I just feel like he's going to finish in the top 20. That's all it is. And I got plus 130 on it. I think that's actually the first positional bop I probably bet on the week. I love it. So we're going to go with that. I also bet Mito Pereira top 20 plus 210. I, I like what I saw him last week, that he, the kid just bounced back. Like I, I, I think we had Jeff Nagel on and we had Capper on. They both faded the hell out of him. And Mito just showed up and said, okay, I'm going to keep playing. And if the kid's got that attitude, there's no reason why he can't play well at this golf course. He's pretty accurate off the tee. His iron's great, good scrambler. All the, everything's trending up with him. Why can't he finish in the top 20 this week again? Plus 210 for him. And then my last one, I said that I don't like paying a lot of juice for a top 40. I broke my rule this week. I just feel really good with Patch Greed. And I found a top 40 I have minus 130. Paying a little juice on it, but that's like basically like playing a matchup for him. 
Like I didn't love like my co-host went with the matchup route for getting read shares this week. Um, the problem is I have a terrible track record with betting or betting against Billy Horschel. That that was the only one I was available for me. I just stayed away. So you know what I just did? Top 40, minus 130. That gets some wiggle room in case it like what we saw last week from Reed was a little bit of a mirage. But I still feel like he can scramble and putt his way to a decent finish this week. So top 40 and Reed, minus 130. All right, let's go to Boston Capper, though. See what his positional props are. And he basically went towards the top of the board. I think he's basically banking on all the studs finishing up there. And listen, like from my point of view, just critical feedback, taking a little bit of risk. I mean, the Memorial is a very, it can be a kind of a volatile tournament. This is one where if a guy just kind of shows up with their B minus game, you can't really recover. So I'm just going to lay a caution warning. There's going to be some guys up in this list that are going to blow up big. And unfortunately, it's guys I kind of like sucks so i think eyeballing his list he needs to clear oh man with all the juice too he doesn't hit two or three of those guys he's paying juice for i don't know all right let's just go through the list so patrick Cantley top 20 minus 140 again pretty safe play can't lay on a jack nicholas plays really well here and then like it's a matchup Jordan Speed, top 20, minus 130. Sneaky good course history here. I think he's got a couple top 15 finishes playing really well. And you know what? Listen, like we're talking about a, like a player who hitting the ball great but can't putt. Like, isn't that Jordan Speed? Why aren't we betting him outright this week? I don't know, because maybe I'm I'm dumb. Whatever. But he's got a top 20 and hit minus 130. Also went down the top 20 round, Xander Shoffley. He is paying juice at minus 130, but he doesn't have dead heat, so that's why. Um, also went with the top 20 and Will Zalatoris plus 110. Cam Young, top 20 plus 130. I've already talked about length. Both these guys don't need to go more of them. Sandy Patrick, top 20 plus 180. Sung JM, top 20 plus 200. And then Chris Kirk, top 20 plus 215. Um, you know, listen, like played pretty well for two and a half rounds last, uh, yeah, last week. And then kind of faded, I think, on Sunday. Uh, but listen, like, I think he's, of course, history is okay here. Hits it straight, hits it iron good. Iron's pretty good. That's kind of the secret sauce of what you're looking for. Um, if I had to guess who's going to blow it up for him, I'm going to say Zalatoris, Kirk, Sungjae, Young, and Cantlay. I think five, and then so he's going to hit three, I think. I think he's going to hit Reed, Xander, and Speed. For his top 20s. So he ended up making money because he hits the guys with the juice. So so those are his positional pricks. Um, why don't we take one more break and then we will finish out the show? All right, let's talk about IP Vantage. So did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without ad security, you might as well give away all your private data, hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish. It, it makes it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling to the wrong hands. And your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on a limited device without sacrificing your speed. You're on your computers or tablets or phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. 
Advantage is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. F-R-E-E. IP Advantage is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. So stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com SGP. All right. Let us finish out the betting card. Um, so look, I got kind of an earful from Boss Capper last week because for the first time in a while, I have been first round leader. And lo and behold, Chris Kirk hit. Pretty happy about that, 50 to 1. Unfortunately, it got chopped 80 different ways. And my co-host is on Harold Varner III, which technically that would be his, well, we'll call it three in a row with an asterisk because I gave out Rory and then he kind of piggybacked on top of that. But listen, he's got three in a row, two in a row for me. I'm taking the week off first round leaders. You know, I, I'm just, I think I, I got enough tied up with ma- outrights and matchups and positions. I like some more units on the positions I particularly like. I'll set this one out. So maybe, you know, Capra will end up hitting his first one later. We'll have to dead heat. And I won't get screamed at for, you know, over text messages for, you know, an hour. So, all right. So these these are his first round leaders he likes. Even though we both are a little hesitant at Cam Smith, he likes him 28 to 1. I think he just feels like Cam Smith, that's his boy. He's always going to bet first round leader. Jordan Speed, 28 to 1. I mean, he bet him top 20. So why not bet him first round leader? Maybe Speed's good enough to head start too. Same thing with Cantley, Zal Torres, Young. Um, again, all these guys are guys we like. Cantley's 30 to 1. Zal Torres, 33 to 1. Cam Young, uh, 35 to 1. Max Homa, who we bet outright, 41, just like the outright. Sung JM, 40 to 1. We talk about him. And then Ryan Palmer. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is just him trolling me, uh, including him on this list because he knows I have to talk about it tonight. Uh, that, of course, any John Rom course is a Ryan Palmer course. Derpa, 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 derpa. Well, that's been debunked a couple times over. But listen, Ryan Palmer, 70 to 1, first round leader, whatever. Have fun, guys. And then the only one, the only other prop I have is I'm not sure why I was offered a miscut prop on Danny Lee. And if I was to picture a guy who would be like the opposite of what I'm looking for this week. It would be a guy who in, in 18 rounds at Murphy Village has lost 1.8 strokes per round. It would be a guy who has lost about three quarters of a stroke T to green per round um, in his last 12 rounds. It would be a guy who loses strokes off the tee and is also wildly inaccurate. It would be a guy who has lost over a half a stroke per round with his irons over his last 12 rounds. It would be a guy who's a pretty bad scrambler. And it would be a guy who has never really put well in Maryville Village. And that's Danny Lee. And I was offered Danny Lee miscut plus 175. Now, I feel like this is a trap. I don't care. I'm jumping into the pool cannonball style. Probably will get my money taken away. But hey, I saw that. I just had to take it. So those are my only uh, other props that we have. No national. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Boston Capper has a nationality prop, and listen, he's a fraud. He continually gets on this podcast and rips Matthew Fitzpatrick, you know, at my expense, laughs me when I bet him, laughs me when I don't bet him, he's in contention, blah, 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 blah. Well, this guy ends up deciding that he wants to end up betting Fitzpatrick minus 150, paying a bunch of juice as a little Englishman. And his competition, I'll admit, not very good. You got Aaron Rye, you got 
uh, Luke Donald, and you got Danny Willett. Actually, I kind of like this week. So Capper's laying big juice, minus 150, that Fitzpatrick's going to beat all those guys. And it's kind of funny that um, there's only one guy on this podcast who has Matthew Fitzpatrick on the betting card, and it's Capper. I don't have Fitzpatrick on the betting card. I couldn't find a single thing I really liked on him this week. He's paired up against Shane Lowry and all the matchups. I was paying like minus 110 on the top 20. Like, listen, I like Matthew Fitzpatrick, but like, like it's not like his course history is like impeccable here. Like he's got a T3, but other than that, it's a bunch of like, I don't know, outside the 30s, 40s, 50s, like stuff like that. Like he's not hitting his irons all that great. I could see it kind of go wrong for Fitzpatrick this week, especially coming off of like a tough loss in the PGA where Arguably, he probably should have won, <laughs> but whatever. Um, he's going low Englishman minus one fifty. All right, one and done picks. Um, so I know who I'm going with, and it's the guy I just planned a flag with at the beginning of the week. It's Kyle Morikawa. I haven't used him yet. I was going to say him for the U.S. Open, but there's actually another guy I kind of want to use that. It's a bold play, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, but for this week, though, I'm taking Morikawa. Uh, my one and done. Uh, I just really like him this week. And then my co-host is deciding right now. He doesn't know if he wants to do Morikawa or Max Homa. He's waffling. Um, I think he was leaning Morikawa, but he has a right to change. So we'll see on that. All right, so that's it. Um, thank you for listening to me ramble on uh, for, uh, God, I don't even know how long I, I talked, but I spent way too much time on the outrights. Uh, that's what happens when I don't have a co-host to kind of check me and interject and, you know, basically keep me on a short leash. I am talking about uh, around the green theory for 10 minutes. So, listen, I hope you enjoyed the show. Sorry, it was just solo again. Uh, we'll be back next week for the RBC Canadian Open. It will be both of us. Uh, we're also going to have a very special guest next week. They'll br- us break down our betting cards next Tuesday. Really excited. Really looking forward to the guy we're coming on. I hope you guys enjoy it too. So, With that, uh, good luck with your bets this week, and uh, let's break them books.